Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And today we're going to go ahead and continue with our theme and our lessons, our current lessons in Christ. And uh, what I wanted to do today is just look at another lexicon. And what I'm going to do is actually look at uh, a Spanish lexicon because I, I saw some, that some of the examples of the references they gave for some of their definitions, I couldn't find all the references that they gave in an English lexicon. Though, I'll mention this again, though you can find some of them in Thayer's and some of them in the Complete Word Study Dictionary. But So I'll read uh, some of the Spanish lexicon, mainly for their examples of the scriptures of where our term N is showing up, <clears throat> excuse me, and in what context, it, context it's showing up. So once again, I just wanted to look at our main verse, which is John chapter 14, our principal verse, John chapter 14, verse 20. In that day, and I think it would help a little bit if I go ahead and not translate it while I'm reading it, but actually read it from the English. John chapter 14, verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And, <clears throat> excuse me, once again, Jesus is declaring this to his disciples before they are born again, declaring basically that once they will be born again, because during that time Jesus walked among, man walked among, listen, the dead. He was not yet crucified, buried, and risen. But he's basically just declaring what will come to pass after that his disciples are born again. So I'll read it once again. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And there's just so much in this one verse of Jesus stating this eternal reality that does not change, will not change, that man cannot change, and nor can bring about. Okay? So what I wanted to do today is look at this Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament by Tugi, T-U-G-G-Y. It's a Spanish lexicon, and I'll, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll translate some of uh, the definitions here that they have. But like, as I stated, mainly I want us to look at their examples of verses where it's found, because this is what kind of drew my the attention of my heart, it was with their examples. So, uh, N, a preposition in the dative case. Uh, under their letter A, it says the basic meaning, the principal meaning, the essence of it is in. I-N, I guess translated into the English. Here's the first definition of place, of literally, uh, well, not literally, but just of place. 
Well, let me look at that, how they translate this word. According to the context, all right, of place according to the context. Now, here are the examples that they give. Oh, and uh, the words are in, before, and near, etc. Now, here are the examples that they give. This first one is in Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. As, an, as I stated, uh, the, these verses can be found in Thayer's lexicon and the complete word study dictionary of the New Testament. But we're actually looking at the English-Spanish lexicon of the New Testament by Tugi. And so here's Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born... In Bethlehem, and that's the place. It goes on of Judea in the days of Herod, the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. All right. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and just I know we've mentioned this particular term that I'm going to give in just a second in previous classes. It's citizenship. And there is such a great reality of this of this word born. And I think it was our last class or our previous class that every person that we can see with our natural eyes has been born in Adam, has been born in the flesh. Uh, Jesus said this to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And then he goes on to say, therefore, you must be born of the spirit. You must be born again. And I think we looked at the definition for, again, being born again. It is born from above, born from the beginning. And in the Spanish, it is born from the origin. So back to our verse. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and there's so much there with that, with this term born, it, Birth determines everything. It, it determines everything. If one is born in the flesh, born in the natural, born of Adam, then they then what's determined for that soul is it, it is below, it is in bondage, it is in ignorance, it is, in effect, it is dead, not having yet life. At the moment of new birth, when Christ appears in the soul, now the soul is in Christ. The born from above, born from the beginning, where Jesus says, I'm the beginning and the end, born from the origin, its origin, its source is Christ himself, born of the Spirit. <clears throat> Being born again also determines everything in regard to the soul. Being born again, the soul is no longer in a state, in a condition of death. Is no longer in a state, in a condition, listen, of bondage of what was before. But is now, is at liberty 
is free from what was before in Christ Jesus. For the one who's born again, listen to what I say this, and, and those of you who are just listening to this, if, uh, using the video <laughs> would be great at this point because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be pointing at uh, my diagram on the chalkboard here. Listen to the way I say this. For, who, for us who are born again, what was before is not what is. The Apostle Paul said it this way, in times past, but now in Christ. There's a huge difference right there, and it is all determined by birth. Just as the soul that is not born again is born into Adam, cannot escape. It doesn't matter what the person does, how much the person studies, how much the the person agrees with the scriptures, that which is born in the flesh is flesh. The miracle of God must take place in the soul. Now, please do not misunderstand. The one who's not born again must hear the gospel, must hear the truth, must believe the gospel, must believe the truth, listen, unto salvation. The miracle of God must take place in the soul for the soul to be born again. But once the soul is born again, that soul is born from, once again, above, in Christ, from the beginning, from the origin, from the source. And that soul, the condition has changed for that soul not based upon what man has done or not done, but based upon the miracle of God. Okay, so, uh, excuse me, just going on real quick here. Concerning the place with this definition, according to context, in, before, near, etc., And here's our verse again, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And they give the example. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. All right. When I was reading this, this, for me, that term born just kind of popped out and exploded right before me. And this is what I was actually thinking. And I know we've looked at this uh, term before, I think, in previous classes. Citizenship. Citizenship. Our citizenship is based upon where we are born. I am a U.S. citizen, based upon being born in the U.S. Now, that's just a natural example. Being born again, brothers and sisters, is so much greater. Here's our examples. Uh, Acts chapter 22, verse 24. And I I may have uh, quoted, mentioned, even read this verse in previous classes. But this is basically uh, the Apostle Paul, he's he's arrested, and they're about to beat him. Uh, So 
In Acts chapter 22, verse 24, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he might know, so that the commander might know why they shouted so against him, why the, why the Jews were just so upset with, with, with Paul. Verse 25, and as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? He goes on, when the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander saying, take care what you do for this man is a Roman. All based upon the statement of Paul. Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Verse 27, then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? Paul said, yes. Verse 28, the commander answered with a great, with a large sum, a great sum, I obtained my citizenship. This cost me a lot. And Paul said, but I was born. And a citizen was added, but I was born a citizen. I was born a Roman. For me, this was by birth. I did nothing to receive this. I did nothing to, quote unquote, to attain unto this. But it was by birth. The privileges that I have are by birth, birthright. Now, so much greater than this example, brothers and sisters. So, uh, verse 29, then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him and the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. Uh, during the time Roman, Romans, Roman citizens had... Uh, privileges that a non-Roman citizen did not have, all right? So, as I stated, greater than this natural example, Paul has an understanding. The heart of Paul is submitted unto the knowledge of God because Paul is born from above. Paul, in essence, knows from whence he comes. We're going to read another verse where he actually declares this. Oh, and uh, as, as, as I stated, uh, though this is an exa- a beautiful exa- example of Paul declaring, I am by birth, by not anything that I have done, not anything that any other person has done, but I am a Roman citizen by birth. Uh, where this example falls short is basically with the commander uh, because he said, with a great sum of money, I purchased my citizenship. Now, as I stated, that's an example below, a natural example, brothers and sisters, with new birth. Not any person, not any soul, not any amount of what they can do can bring them to citizenship in Christ. It requires a miracle of God. Remember what Jesus said to the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler who says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And finally, the Lord Jesus brings him to the place where the rich young ruler confesses, it's impossible. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So very sadly, we know the rich young ruler goes away sad, but the Lord had brought him to the place in his heart where he should have cried out for mercy for the one who can. But he didn't. Uh, Jesus goes on to say, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And so to be born again requires a miracle of God. And just as Paul was declaring it right here, I didn't have to do anything to receive the this status. I didn't have to do anything to uh, receive this privilege. I was born into it. Born again, born from above, born of the beginning, born from the origin, from the source, born of the Spirit. It must take place by a miracle of God, brothers and sisters. Apart from God, it is impossible. So, another verse uh, where Paul is actually declaring citizenship is in uh, Philippians. This is Philippians chapter 3, verse starting with verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. And this is why. And know those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Why are they the enemies of the cross of Christ? Verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things, who are mindful of that which is below, who are mindful, once again, unto that which is found in times past. Because he says this, enemies of the cross of Christ. The Apostle Paul says, in time past you were, but... Here's the cross. But now in Christ Jesus, that time is no longer present. Now in Christ Jesus. Okay. Uh, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. And whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things. Verse 20, for our citizenship, he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to the believers, he's speaking to those who are born again, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also, let me look at this real quick. I think the King James Version Yeah, the King James, whoops, the King James Version says, from whence, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which, the New King James says, excuse me, the King James Version, I'm reading out of the New King James, the King James Version says, from whence we also eagerly, from whence, 
For our citizenship is in heaven from whence, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's where we look for him. Remember, he is risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, definition number one, of place. According to the context. All right? Now, I want us to look at another definition. This is uh, still under definition A. This is definition number two of A. Of time, when, in, while, during, the time, the time frame, the time setting. Now, once again, I'm still reading out of the Greek-Spanish Lexicon of the New Testament by Tugi, T-U-G-G-Y. Okay? <clears throat> because of these the verses they give as examples. This verse is once again with Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now look. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there is place with our term. N, Strong's number uh, 1722. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, now, here's our next term, N, Strong's number 1722. In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So it's showing place and time, time frame. But listen how they define the time frame. In the days of Herod the king. And uh, I know that we've, we've read the books of the judges. We've read the books of the kings. We've read Chronicles. And if, if you're reading the books of the judges or the kings, or actually I'll start with just the books of the judges, uh, you'll read, and the Lord raised up a judge. And I love it. It's always the Lord raised up a judge. It doesn't say the Lord made a judge. It says the Lord raised up a judge. And so here's the exploits of that judge. And then that judge dies. And then the Lord, and then, you know, there goes Israel because there's no light. There's no understanding of the Lord governing them. They go down and start serving other nations, other gods who are not gods. They serve idols, their concept of God, their uh, concept of their relationship with God. And so in then again, it says, and the Lord raised up another judge, and, you know, this is the name of the judge, and so Israel's back turned to the Lord, and then, you know, their administration goes on, and then they die, and then another one, and another one, different time periods based on the judge, the governor. Uh, in the book of the Kings, there was the time under King Saul, and we all know that ha what happened uh, during the time under King Saul. Everything that's going on during that time, King Saul dies, and now you have King David. And so it's a new time, a new era, if you will, a new administration. And we all know what uh, all the exploits of David that he did. And 
I'll just go, go on. Then David dies, and now you have King Solomon. And so now you have the exploits of Solomon, all that Solomon did. And we know his reign, uh, his, his reign was a reign of peace, of wisdom, knowledge, righteousness, understanding, glory. And here's what I was going to mention. King David is a type of Jesus of Nazareth, a man of blood. Uh, that's why the Lord said, you will not build my house. Uh, you'll not build my house. You're a man of blood. King Solomon, on the other hand, is a type of the risen Lord who builds the house, whose kingdom is a, in testimony, everlasting kingdom. The greater than Solomon, brothers and sisters, is Christ himself. Now, though these kings died, our king, king, K-I-N-G, who Christ himself is, dieth no more. So his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, testified in Solomon, of peace, of righteousness, of wisdom, of knowledge, of understanding. The list goes on and on and on. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, denoting location, of Judea, in the days, the time frame of Herod the king. And here's, here's my comments on this. Though I've been making comments, here's some more comments. The time period is defined by its ruler, by its king, dependent upon which ruler, what ruler, which king, what king is present. The time period is defined by its ruler, by the king. There was a time, just real quick, with a testimony of Israel. There was a time when Israel was in Egypt in bondage, slaves to the Egyptians, ruler. Their, their uh, king was Pharaoh. Pharaoh ruled over them. We know that the Lord sent, basically presented his lamb. Everyone took the lamb, slew the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost and lentil, entered in through the door, ate the lamb. The lamb was on the inside now. They went to the Red Sea where everything was buried. And then there was resurrection out from the Red Sea. They traveled in the wilderness. They journeyed in the wilderness. But in testimony are in resurrection. How I brought you with eagle's wings unto myself. The Lord himself was present. The king himself was present. Though Israel knew not. Though Israel recognized it not. The Lord was in the midst. The king was in the midst. His kingdom was in the midst because they were free. They were no longer in Egypt. Pharaoh was no longer present, brothers and sisters. This is just a testimony. This is just a beautiful testimony here. All right? So they were in times past and Egypt 
abiding among the dead, where Pharaoh is king, but now they are, have been brought unto life, the land of the living, where the Lord is king. They, it's just a testimony, they were in Adam, and now they're found in Christ. Having come from death unto life, because life is present. Okay, now I'd like to uh, go on reading here. This is uh, under the definition of the under the second definition. This is definition C in the plural, especially of persons. Among and, and it's, it says among, and the passage I want us to look at is Luke. That they give for an example is Luke chapter seven. This is verse sixteen. That's why I was in the wrong chapter. Now, just real quick, the context of this passage, we find starting, starting with verse 12. I'll just read the context of this. And when Jesus came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. All oh, this is... This is tremendous right here. Just the context. A dead man was being carried out, the only son, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And the Lord saw her, Jesus saw her. He had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And Jesus said, Young man, I say to you, arise. Now, he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The only son. She was a widow. She was not going to have any more sons. The only son who was dead... Jesus touches the coffin, says to him, Arise. It's a testimony of Christ himself, brothers and sisters. It goes on. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And Jesus presented him to his mother. The one who is dead and in the coffin, who arose, was now presented to its parents or his parent. Verse 16, Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us. Now, uh, right here, this is how the world, uh, how the Jews, how those who are present perceived Jesus. I mean, no, no one recognized who he was. They could only declare based upon their natural knowledge 
of what they could see with their natural eyes, hear with their natural ears, understand with their natural brain. So this is what they say. A great prophet has risen up among us, and God, here's the key part, and God has visited his people. In the plural, especially of persons, among. When I, when I read that, that example of Luke chapter 7, verse 16, and just saw it in context, God has visited his people. It's kind of like saying, God is here. This is the first thing that I thought of right here. The tabernacle was in the midst of the people of Israel. And see, remember, when the people of Israel were in Egypt, they were in bondage under Pharaoh. They were slaves under Pharaoh. They were not free. They were bondage, slavery under Pharaoh. The Lord presents to them a lamb. They slay that lamb. They put the, door, the blood on the doorposts. They enter in through the door. They eat the lamb. The lamb is now on the inside. They go through the Red Sea, the waters of the Red Sea, the burial. Everything that is dead is buried, and only life comes forth. So Israel, the people of Israel, have their natural feet planted on below, planted below, and yet their life and testimony is found above. How I brought you with eagle's wings unto myself. Okay? <clears throat> Leviticus. Now that's, now that's testimony. That's reality being testified of. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 26, starting with verse 11. This is the Lord uh, speaking to the children of Israel. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord God, listen to this, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, what was times past where you were bondmen, where you were slaves, where you were in captivity under Pharaoh. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke and no more bondage, no more slavery. And I love this, made you walk uprightly. Basically, with your head looking above. Uprightly. No longer bent down with bondage and slavery looking below. But upright looking above. Another verse, 
This is Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 through 9. And remember, this is reality. Though the children of Israel, we know, did not walk in the truth, did not walk in the light. They walked, the children of Israel walked as though Pharaoh were present, though he was not present. Their hearts continued submitted under a government, under a rule, under a bondage, under a slavery from a king who was no longer present. They continued in ignorance. But that ignorance did not change the fact, and greater than fact, the reality that the true king, the true administration, the true government, the true kingdom, the true reign, the true rule, was present. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 and 9, verse 8, And let them, this is the Lord speaking, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This is speaking to Moses. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its uh, furnishings, just so you shall make it. According to the reality that I show you, you'll make the testimony of it that they may see, that they may know that I dwell among them. And that was the whole reason for the tabernacle, so that the people may know that the Lord dwelt among them, was in the midst, was present. No longer slavery, no longer bondage, no longer death ruling and reigning. Remember the example with, with, uh, with the son who had died? All that rules and reigns until life appears, until Jesus shows up in the scene, on the scene, until Jesus himself is present in the midst. Life no longer, excuse me, death no longer governs, death no longer rules and reigns when Christ is present. Life rules and reigns because Christ is life. Make it according to the reality, reality that you see above. Show them, present to them a testimony of what has taken place, of what is real, of what is true, of the truth, that they may know the truth, that they may know reality, that they may walk in truth, that they may walk in light, that they may walk wherein their souls have been brought. From the moment they entered in through the door and ate the lamb. All right, another verse. This is Exodus. Still in Exodus, this is chapter 29, verse 43. Looking, looking at basically the same example, 43 through uh, 46. And there will I meet with the children, of, there will I meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his uh, sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell 
among the children of Israel and will be their God. And I love this, verse 46. All this reality, because I'm here, the temple is sanctified by my glory, not by anything that the temple's done, no, because my glory is present. Verse 46, that's reality. Verse, verse 46, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of, up. Not just brought them out, no, brought them up out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Once again, with our principal verse, Jesus himself speaking reality at that day. It's John 14, 20. At that day, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. The Exodus, looking at my history to find it quicker, but it's not all that much quicker. <laughs> the Exodus, verse 20, excuse me, chapter 29, verse 46, and they shall know. When they see the tabernacle, when they see the test, that's basically what it's saying. When they see the testimony, understand, recognize the testimony, understand the testimony, Verse 46, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of up out of the land of Egypt from one state, from one condition, from times past that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. That's all I had for this, for this lesson. It just rejoiced my heart when I saw it. <laughs> All that the Lord does from before we are born again, brothers and sisters, to, the, to bring us to the point of new birth where we receive everything that our soul was created to receive in the person of Christ and not leaving us ignorant of the one whom we received but providing his own testimony time and time and time again that we may know who is present in the midst and unto whom by the Holy Spirit and unto whom by the Holy Spirit our souls have come. So, Lord bless. We'll see you in our next lesson. Amen.